Hi, I'm David Green, and you're listening to the Digital HR Leaders Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today, I'm delighted to introduce our guest, Caroline O'Reilly, GM of People Analytics at Workday. Caroline speaks to Workday's customers every day about their people data challenges, and allied to her impressive experience as an engineer and a people leader, Caroline has a unique insight into the main challenges organizations are facing at the moment. In our discussion, Caroline and I will explore how HR leaders and professionals can overcome some of the key challenges in developing a successful people analytics function. Caroline will share her expertise on topics such as managing fragmented data, creating a data-driven culture, moving the dial on diversity, equity and inclusion, employee listening, building a skills-based organization, and we also talk about the future of HR technology. Caroline also shares examples of how Workday has helped the likes of Rolls-Royce, Telstra, and Intermountain Healthcare plan, execute, and analyze their data to make big strategic decisions. So whether you are just starting to understand your data, take your people analytics function to the next level, or want to create a more data-driven culture, this episode is a must-listen for anyone looking to enhance their people analytics journey. Let's dive into the conversation where Caroline starts by telling us a little bit more about her role at Workday. I'm GM of Analytics at Workday. So what that entails is we're a large global team and we build the analytics suite for Workday. So we build a platform and products that enable our customers to get real-time actionable insights that really accelerate their decision-making. So we built two products. I'll explain what they are. First one is People Analytics. So you can think about that as your people analyst in a box. So imagine your CHRO comes to you at the end of the month and says, show me my latest people trends and anomalies. Just explore different people analytics, right? So it's a pre-built application that uses AI and ML to uncover your key trends about your people. So it reports on a number of different trends across key priorities like diversity inclusion, org composition, retention and attrition, hiring, and talent and performance. And we also bring in skills data there. When we're building people analytics, we're always really thinking about the democratization of data and making data easily available to everyone and easily understandable by everybody as well, right? So we are not just surfacing KPIs, we're also using our own storyteller engine to surface stories about the data so that they're easy to understand and interpret. The other part that we have is Prism Analytics. So you can think of Prism as a HR and financial data hub. So we have customers pulling in data from benefits, time tracking systems, recruiting systems, other operational data, learning data, and they may also want to be sunsetting systems and they want to pull that data in somewhere else. And they need all this data in context to make decisions. So what Prism allows you to do is to bring in all that external data and to blend it with your workday data and to keep that secure in the Workday security model. So that while our customers are in Workday, they have access to this rich third-party data as well, all in the secure environment to help them make decisions. And the other piece that we're responsible for is that we build all of the out-of-the-box reporting for Workday. So that's your analysis toolkit for enabling you to do ad hoc analysis with discovery boards, to build dashboards, 
and to do drag and drop reporting as well, weren't they? I'm interested. I, I ask a lot of the people that that, that, that are guests on the show. What what inspired you to to get into the world of people analytics? Sure. Well, I've been a software engineer for almost thirty years now, and twenty of those almost as a people leader. So both in my time as an engineer and a manager, I always have been very data driven to help me make decisions. So I heavily rely on our own software to make people decisions. So when I joined Workday 10 years ago, I noticed something really different about the company. I noticed that we spent a lot of time training our managers and not just one off, but continuously. Like every year we have so much training to keep improving our manager capability. And it's not for the manager's sake, it's to enable every employee to have a really great experience at work and to also have an amazing career, right? That's our jobs as managers is to enable everyone else to grow. And to do that, we really need as managers to have excellent data about our people. And that data comes from, you know, during the hiring process, during our onboarding, we want to know, you know, what's the diversity of the talent we're hiring? Where are we hiring it from? Are we being diverse when we're considering promotions? And we need data around career mobility and skills development. So during all of these stages, we need access as people managers to real time and trusted data to make those best decisions for our people. And I've always been an early adopter of our own internal people technology as well. So we're really lucky to have an amazing leader in our people analytics team in Phil Wilburn, and you've had him on the podcast a few weeks ago. And Phil's a good friend of mine, and he teases me still that when we went live with PCOM, which is our employee listening tool, that I had the highest comment interaction score for the team, right? Because I was so interested in hearing from my team and hearing from their in their real words, what their experiences were. So I'm always quick to give Phil feedback and spoiler alert, I, I really love Pecan and I couldn't run my distributed team without it. And Phil is also my customer. So he also uses reporting and Prism and people analytics. So he's just as quick to give me feedback as well. So in short, I really love building products that help us all become better managers because in the end that creates better experiences for everybody. What are some of the main challenges you see organizations facing at the moment? Yeah, we're really hearing from customers. The first challenge we hear is around shortening decision cycles. So our customers are continuously planning and forecasting. And we saw that really accelerate, of course, during COVID where there was really tight planning and forecasting loops. And then they're executing those plans and then analyzing those results and then starting that cycle again. And those cycles are just getting shorter and shorter. That's what we hear from customers. They they want to get really tight on those cycles so they can pivot even faster when they need to. So we saw that acceleration during COVID, but we've definitely seen that that trend has definitely persisted. So that plan, execute, analyze cycle. Another challenge we hear is that there's just a proliferation of data, right? There's so much data collection in organizations and it's fragmented and it's in all different parts of the organization with all different owners. And that means that it's really hard for for people to separate that signal from the noise. And business leaders are finding it slow as well to get their hands on the data that they need to make decisions, right? Especially when it's owned by different parts of the organization. They want to have ownership for their own data and be able to interpret that in real time when they need it. So in Workday, we interleave our analytics through the business processes so that our customers have access to the analytics when they're making a decision, right? And when they can take action so that they can own the data and have it there at their fingertips when they need to, need to take action. And then with this proliferation of data, we also hear that analyst teams are spending so much time analyzing the data as well. And a lot of that heavy lifting can be automated. 
So we hear our customers talk about how it takes analysts weeks to analyze data and extract extractions from it. And all of this is distracting them from really focusing on strategic work. When you deploy people analytics, what we call our analysts in a box, you can get to, that deployed in a matter of weeks and it runs on top of Workday and it will surface those people data trends for you and your business. And we've heard some customers say that to do that themselves, it has taken them 30 days to surface that same trended data from their people data. And what we also find by, you know, I think we get into a pattern of reporting on the same people data over and over again. We get used to certain KPIs and certain trends that we're reporting on. And so you want to kind of break out of that mold. And what we like about people analytics is that it's looking for the anomalies that you mightn't have been looking for. So it's surfacing stories that you mightn't have even thought about looking for. So one of our large retail customers has saved over 100 hours a month that their analysts were we're using to respond to ad hoc requests from the teams by rolling out people analytics. And another benefit of that is, I don't know, David, if this annoys you, but when I go into meetings and that people are like, are talking about different data from different places and it doesn't all match up, like when you're actually all using the same app together, you have consistency in the data that you're all talking about and you all have the same baseline data to, to make those decisions and to be able to discuss together. So that was another benefit of, of your teams using the same application to, to interrogate the data and to ask questions of it. So Caroline, we're going to stay with customers, at least for the next two questions, and we're going to look at customers maybe at different states of, of, of the journey or maturity with, with, with people analytics. So you know, if we start with a customer that's just getting started, what, what sort of advice would, and guidance would you offer in terms of how to understand their people data, where to get started? Yeah, and I think sometimes there's a tendency to jump in and think about what the technology answer is to that. And you always, always need to start with what the business challenge is that you're trying to solve, right? And what are the outcomes that you want with a people analytics solution? And every people data strategy has to be aligned to the business strategy as well. So if you don't have a people analytics team at the moment, one thing you could do is deploy an application like people analytics on top of your HR data. And that will really start you off fast. It could be your analyst in the box. So the first phase that we sort of call in getting started with your people analytics journey is really the baseline phase. And that's about the organizations who are really just getting started and they're trying to understand the data that they have already in their organization. So those organizations will start and pick maybe one or two different topic areas that they want to dig deep into. So we'd say they take diversity inclusion, they want to understand more about or retention and attrition. And then they'll select a, a group of super users and people who are really passionate about that. And they'll start holding weekly discovery sessions, looking at the data, trying to undiscover, you know, the trends in that data and patterns. And then they'll start sharing that internally in their business as well with the CHRO or internally. And then they can start to decide how they're going to take action on those trends that they're seeing and execute it. And then within six months, you have a group of people who are really passionate about it, who really understand the data, who are getting very comfortable at one or two topic areas, and that they can think about what are the business outcomes that they want to get from that data. And then they move into the second phase, which we call the bolstering phase, which is really opening up to the broader organization. So now you have a core set of data champions, and then you start this internal awareness campaign in your organization, holding office hours with these data champions and scaling to the rest of the HR team. And this is where you want to get your HR team super savvy with the data and, and in a self-service way. 
and, and this is where it's really important to accomplish that data literacy and to be able to have teams being able to self-service for the questions that they want to answer about their data. So whether that's like retention or skills gaps, et cetera, you want to enable them to be able to interpret that data for themselves. And then we have customers breaking into the breakthrough phase, and that's where they're going to scale it to like new use cases and topic areas. And that's where they will they will probably be very, very savvy with all of the different topic areas in, in people analytics. And then they are like some of our customers are sending out you know, e- new uh, emails and newsletters explaining where the data trends are, where the anomalies are over time, and really getting people very into a self-service way of being able to understand their own data. Really good example of that is Intermountain Healthcare. And they won the Workday Innovation Award last year. They have really pushed the boundaries in analytics. So they have 33 hospitals and 385 clinics. So you can imagine the sort of data that they need to report on. And they had really great success with deploying people analytics. They wanted their HRBPs to really enable more of the self-service. And they wanted to free up time as well from the analysts because the HRBPs were asking the analysts, you know, naturally to get information on attrition, hiring, or composition, et cetera. And so by giving them access to their own reporting and analytics, you know, they could actually start digging into the data themselves and they could answer a lot of the questions themselves, which was in turn freed up the, um, the, uh, the other data teams. They, I wanted to ask a question, for instance, like they started to see in their data, like why do some leaders have lower engagement scores? And they found out by going through their own discovery boards and using people analytics that they could see that these were newer leaders and they needed more training. And then they were able to action that. They also brought in data on the historical workforce. They were tracking turnover. They were looking at rehiring eligibility as well and safety incidents as well in their data. They also deployed a healthcare analytics accelerator as well, which enabled them to track their labor cost analytics so they could see their costs by location, by day, and trend that over time. So they're a really good example of a customer who's really excelling with their analytics. Let's pause for a moment and thank Workday, our sponsor for this series of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Workday is a leading provider of enterprise cloud applications for HR and finance, helping customers adapt and thrive in a changing world. Workday is also a leader in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for cloud HCM suites. And that's just one of the reasons why the world's top companies trust Workday to deliver for them. Organizations ranging from medium-sized businesses to more than 50% of the Fortune 500 have chosen Workday to help build HR systems and implement workforce analytics solutions, including Netflix, Sanofi, AstraZeneca, and Rolls-Royce. Join them and find out more by heading to Workday.com. That's Workday.com. We're recording this on International Women's Day, so I'm particularly pleased that the next question is going to kind of lead into the sort of DEI area. So, as I said, the last the last three years, um, we've undertaken annual research uh, insight to two on, on where people analytics is adding the adding the most business value, and actually we ask a question. So, last year, 184 companies participated in this this particular study, and the question we ask is, you know, where are the three areas in your business where people analytics is adding the most value? 
And in the last two years, diversity, equity, inclusion has come out on top. And I know at Workday, and again, I got this from from speaking to Phil um, in the episode a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's something to it's core to everything you do. You know, or, you know, under putting DEI into everything. And he talks about the Vibe Index. I think that 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 it was developed internally, and now you've rolled out to to some of your customers as well. You know, in in your experience, what are the core data points that HR professionals should be looking at to to kind of take their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives to the workday level? We could call, or certainly to that to the high to a higher level. And that was well planned, David. To to talk today on International Women's Day. Yeah, you're right about Workday. So we've been really been committed to DNI from the very inception of Workday. It really has been in our DNA from day one. And so it's no surprise when I hear you talking about DNI as one of the top areas. Like we see it actually as the most viewed section on our people analytics application. So DNI is the most viewed section on our people analytics application. Hundreds of customers are are really going into that all the time. So a good starting point is uh, we also did a survey as well called the Werte Global Blueprint for Belonging Diversity, which was a study by um, commissioned by HR and business leaders. So it was a group of 3000 plus HR um, professionals in 23 countries. And we were really trying to understand like what were the challenges of those business leaders and what was the current state of, of DEI across industries globally. Um, because we all know as leaders, we have blind spots and we need to use people analytics to really constantly check we're making decisions that are, are going to represent our diverse populations, whether we're attracting new talent or um, whether we're promoting or offering mentorship opportunities. So from that survey, we learned that organizations really need leadership and employee buy-in to really make progress on DNI and initiatives. And what we found was actually really encouraging that even in these uncertain times, there's a real increase in dedicated DNI roles compared to a year ago, which is really great news to hear. We also see a number of organizations, which is which is terrific as well, starting to share compensation and pay related data with their employees in a transparent way. And this is critical, right, to really make workplaces more equitable for all and to really start closing that gender pay gap across industries. You mentioned Vibe and that's that's completely right. I think, like as I said, Workday has had DNI in its DNA from inception, and so much so that we we built it into our products. Vibe is a product that we call um, that is a diversity product, which Vibe stands for value, inclusion, belonging, and equity, and we use it to surface metrics on to show areas of opportunity to improve equity and parity across different intersectional groups. So we have pulled that into people analytics as well. And so when you view that in the application, you can see, you can benchmark your diversity, equity, and belonging across the employee lifecycle. So when you're sourcing talent, when you're retaining talent, developing them, promoting them, you can see that by heat map in people analytics to be able to tell you how you're doing on that. So you compare, compare your performance across multiple dimensions and it highlights areas of improvement for you. So. Yeah, we really feel very strongly about making everywhere a better place to work and a more diverse place to work. So that's true. So if we turn to employee listening, another good reason to invest in people is it, you know, it's been such an important instrument for companies, you know, particularly, you know, since 2020 throughout the various stages of the pandemic. And now as we move into the hybrid era and we start to understand, you know, when does in-person matter, you know, what's the right mix of of, of of in you know being in office versus being remote 
Um, and we actually start to think about it beyond where people work and, and how people work and, and everything else as well. You know, when it works well, employee listening provides insights that support business decisions and, and is an invaluable tool for managers, as, as we've discussed already. You know, how can HR leaders and people analytics ensure that decision makers get this important data as quickly as possible and in time to, to actually take action? I completely agree with you, David, when you say employee listening tools are invaluable. I just could not work without them in my organization. I remember the day back in 2020 when we decided to shut down the Dublin office and we were all going to work from home. And I remember turning to my colleague who had just started that week beside me packing up his bag and saying to him, like, are you going to be okay? Like, you just started this week because I was really thinking like he didn't have those social connections that many of us had already as we were leaving the office. It was much different experience for him having just started that week and then going into work from home. So I really relied heavily during that time and I do every week on PECON or any, you know, any, any employee voice listening to really keep connected to my team. I can see in real time what my team are thinking about. It, it enables me to have anonymous conversations with my team. So somebody can mention something and start a conversation with me. And often that leads to a one-to-one. Often that person does want to meet in person or I make a new connection and somebody wants to, to meet you know, now in person, thankfully. So it's one thing getting all the comments from an employee listening to, but it's very difficult to go and then spend time and find out what are the trends in all that listening data, right? So when you have a large organization, it's very difficult to do that. So the real benefit for me using PECON is that I can get a heat map of my whole organization across region by managers, by management um, area. And it's telling me where I need to focus my attention, where things are okay, and then where I need to focus my attention. So for instance, areas that might tell me to focus on are our career growth or salary conversations, or do people feel they have autonomy in certain organizations? Um, are they comfortable with their environment? Now they're coming back to to work. Of course, lots of comments about, about our environment. Do they feel they have good management support? I'm really proud that this one's actually very strong in my organization. So great job to the management and the team. How are their peer relationships with their teams? Do they feel they have freedom of opinions, right? So it's all these different questions that we're asking and getting information on. So yeah, I could not use, I could not run the organization, to be honest, without hearing all this commentary every week from the team in a really natural way that that I can interact with. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. If you are looking to continue your learning journey, head over to myhrfuture.com and take a look at the My HR Future Academy. It is a learning experience platform supporting HR professionals to become more data-driven, more business-focused, and more experience-led. By taking our short assessment, you will see how you stack up against the HR skills of the future. Then, our recommended learning journeys guide you every step of the way, helping you to close your skills gap, deepen your knowledge, and press play on your career. Yeah, and, and I think it's good. I mean, we talked we talked about diversity, equity, inclusion, and now employee listening. You know, these are two areas where people data and people analytics is is having a big impact. Um, another area, as I'm sure you've heard from from Workday's customers, and and if you listen to the podcast, um, quite a few episodes on here as well. There, there's this real increasing focus uh, in HR and building a skills based organisation. 
certainly I heard a lot I heard a lot about that when I was uh, at Workday Rising um, in Stockholm in November as well. You know, from the customers that you speak to, you know, what are some of the business challenges that they're trying to solve through focusing on skills? Yeah, you're totally right, David. Everyone's talking about skills at the moment and and migrating to a skills-based organization. Number one, there's a shortage of talent. We all know that. McKinsey said last year that 87% of executives are experiencing skills gaps in the workforce. This is super tight labor market and organizations are really trying to turn around fast ways of how to fill those skills gaps. And so they need to think about it in new and novel ways. So traditionally, we've always looked at hiring candidates based on degrees or job roles. Well, that's actually very restrictive. By moving to a skills-based organization and thinking about skills when you're hiring, it's actually a great way to open up your talent pool, right? So companies now want to infer skills that a candidate has and match that to the skills that they need. And, and this is really good news, I think, for D&I as well, right? Because it really... Um, it's a really good news for candidates who don't come from a traditional background going for a job role. If we can focus on skill-based hiring, it could help remove bias as well in hiring. The second thing I hear about skills is organizations really are struggling to know what skills they have in the organization already. We forum said last year as well that 50% of the global workforce will require reskilling by 2025. So there's going to be a real focus on reskilling the workforce and first understanding what skills they have in the workforce. So with such a tight labor market, you're not all, you're not going to be able to hire all the people you need to to fill those skills gaps. You're going to have to think about upskilling your workforce. So we help companies really think about what are the strategic skills that they need and then how to identify the population in their own organization that they can upskill. And then we can also enroll them into learning opportunities and give them those learning and growth opportunities to upskill in the workforce. And this is really great as well for career mobility. That's something that we're very passionate about in Workday as well, is enable people to move between teams because it really does help give a different point of view as people move around the organization. And then that's that's sort of a very company-centric uh, uh, view of it. But if you look at it from the employee side as well, employees are keen to grow their skills, right? Employees all over the world are very ambitious. They're looking to grow their skills. They're looking to grow their career. When I'm listening to my PECON comments, everyone is lucky in a way to grow and learn and, and get new skills. So we can compare the career paths of, the, you know, it can compare my career path with somebody else in the organization. And we can say, well, these are some learning opportunities that you might want to do to get to a different level or to take on a different role. We have started enabling what we call gigs in the organization, where these are very, very short term roles where somebody might do it, what we call a gig for maybe three months as a way of learning a new skill. And this is a more fine-grained approach of matching people to um, to work that needs to be done. And I really like this as well because it takes the bias out of, um, out of hiring someone as well. Because, you know, sometimes in an organization, you need to know somebody in the company to be able to get the opportunity to work in a different team. But by advertising a gig and, you know, be very clear about what skills are needed and what you're going to learn in that gig, you know, you really are moving more to a skills-based hiring for internal ability as well, which is really great opportunity for people. A company who's doing really great on skills side is Telstra and they're an Australian telecoms company. So they have, uh, they're using planning and PRISM to bring together HR and operational data to create holistic workforce plans. 
So they analyze all the critical skills they need and they're always identifying the gaps in their skills. They have over 20,000 skills in PRISM and planning and every quarter they're using the skills data to assign new priorities and tasks to the workforce. And this has the added benefit of employees also understanding what work is coming and that they can pitch to work on those projects as well. So it helps them to develop their skills. So it's a win-win for the company and employee moving to this skill-based work. How are you, as Workday, how are you helping customers get started on, on the skills journey? Yeah, we understand that moving to a skills-based organization may seem like a heavy lift, but there's ways you can start small. Like, for instance, a good way that I talked about there was using it in the recruiting process, being able to infer skills as people apply and assigning them to candidates. A good follow-on step as well is trying to move to start some gigs and have some internal mobility for projects. We've also integrated skills into people analytics because it helps for you to be able to see what your current skills are, to be able to see how your journey of moving skills is progressing as well over time. So you can see a heat map of your skills over time and you can see, um, you can visualize your org and your skills. So that's also a good way to actually visualize where you are to make progress. So we, we, we kind of talked a bit about some of the, maybe the economic challenges that we got in the current climate at the moment. Um, and it's clear that some parts of the globe and certain industry sectors are facing economic headwinds at the moment. How can people analytics help create more certainty for business? I think we can all be certain that there's just got to continue to be uncertainty. And I think the most important thing is that you have tools that are going to be agile and that are going to enable you to be agile and that are going to enable you to pivot as a business. So you don't want to have a tool set that's going to be overly restrictive. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that leaders don't have time right now. They're they're not having as much time to look deep into the trends. So wherever they can use ML and AI and automation to surface those trends, it's going to give them a strategic advantage, right? If they can focus their time more on the strategy and direction, then we can move from that heavy lifting to using automated insights. And I'm glad we've got onto the technology because, you know, having uh, a guest from Workday on the show is fantastic because there's so much happening in the technology space, but also in the HR technology space uh, as well at the moment. So so let's look into the future let's, 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 uh, that you gaze into your crystal ball, Caroline, and I won't hold you to this, I promise. Um, where, where do you see HR platforms like Workday heading in the next three to five years? But David, we couldn't be on a podcast. There's no podcast today that isn't talking about generative AI. So that would be the first trend. We all see it. It's here. It's not coming. It's here. And there's so many different use cases that could be applied to HR. Um, I did, as any normal person would do today, and I asked ChatGPT where it could be applied in HR. So it gave me some great examples like recruiting. So generating candidate profiles from job requirements. I thought that was a, a great idea. Uh, and then, you know, being used for training, being able to create training materials, potentially, you know, creating personalized engagement programs for employees, you know, around recognition as well, providing feedback, developing career plans. But also when we think about um, the power of AI, you know, so much of HR as well, we create docs, we summarize docs, we're doing continuous performance. There's going to be lots of different ways that generative AI can be applied to HR and to really make us much more efficient in the, in the HR field, I think. And another thing I think we're going to see with that is we're all used to the chatbots that we interact with at the moment, but that's going to just take it to a whole new level. I'm really excited as to as, as to how that's going to improve uh, chatbots as well that we interact with. 
So the second shift is even more towards storytelling and the democratization of data, right? That's something that we're all very passionate about is that data should be accessible to all. And we invest a lot of time in that in, in my own team, that doing design partner groups of customers. And, and we try to keep improving our user experience and keep listening to customers about how they're interpreting um, you know, the natural language uh, stories that we're surfacing to them and the graphs to be able to make it as accessible as it can be. So I think we're going to see much more personalization and prescriptive analytics as well coming. And you touched on this, David, as well, as you were talking there. Like I see much closer collaboration just happening over the last few years as well between the CFO and the CHRO when it comes to people analytics. Companies really, uh, companies that we talk to really want to know in real time, you know, the impact of the HR KPIs. Like what's the real financial benefit of moving the needle on some of these metrics? One I like to think about is, you know, what's the real cost of attrition? Like it's not just like somebody leaving and, and their salary. It's like, what is the cost to attract somebody back to the team? What is the cost to onboard them? What's the impact of the team on the team when someone leaves? And you can hear that as well through employee listening. What is the cost to train somebody else when you bring that another person back onto the team? And how are the team feeling? And are they stressed out now if somebody has left the team? And all those things around attrition that you can start to, to measure and get a feeling about. And so the Office of CFO and CHRO are also looking at what are the key skills we need to hire and where should we hire them? Where is the best location, the fastest location to hire? And how are we utilizing our offices, et cetera? So CFO and CHRO getting much more closer together in terms of uh, looking at people analytics data. What do you think HR leaders need to be thinking about most in the next 12 to 24 months? And what is your biggest concern and what do you see as the biggest opportunity? I think the big opportunity is around hiring and skill-based workforce. We heard, we've been hearing last year the term quiet quitting, and this has really moved to what's called being called quiet hiring, which is hiring without actually hiring full-time employees. So really looking at your own organization in terms of internal mobility, you know, more skills-based hiring, moving to gig-based hiring, and broadening the mindset when you're looking for talent, right? Changing the way we hire and doing a lot of internal mobility. We're also going to be utilizing contingent workforces, which are really going to enable us to flex the capacity that we need when we need it. So essentially, I see a real change in talent mobility and moving to skills-based hiring, a lot of uh, internal mobility and changing the way we hire. And a real move to upskilling as well, right? Really innovative around where we're going to get those skills. We aren't always going to get them externally. We're going to have to upskill our workforce as well. And we're going to be using ML and AI to do it. Brilliant. Well, I, th- I, th- I think those are definitely two areas where we'll, we'll, we're going to be looking at moving forward. Caroline, thank you so much for being a guest on the Digital HR Leaders podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation and it's exciting what you and the team are, are, are doing at Workday and the products that you're bringing out and, and bringing together, I think, as well uh, for, for companies. Can you let listeners know how they can find you on social media and learn more about the, the products and initiatives that you're leading at Workday? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Caroline O'Reilly at Workday. You'll find me there. Perfect. Well, you know where to go now, listeners. Um, Caroline, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll see each other at some point again in person uh, in the coming months. Thank you very much, David. That's all for today's episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast with my guest, Caroline O'Reilly, GM of People Analytics at Workday. And a brilliant way to close this series sponsorship with Workday themselves. If you did like this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a five-star rating on your preferred podcast streaming channel so that we can keep producing the show. And if you want to stay up to date on the latest industry trends and best practices, 
and learn more about us at Insight 222. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at myhrfuture.com. Bye for now, uh, and we'll be back shortly with another episode of the Digital HR Leaders podcast. Take care.